Celebrating classics and creating new ones. Only on the Music Vibes Podcast. Now, here's your host, D.C. Hendrix. I'm your host, D.C. Hendrix, back here with another edition of the Music Vibes Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, everywhere podcasts are available. Make us one of your favorites by subscribing to keep up to date. Follow us on all social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Search Music Vibes Podcast, Music Vibes, D.C. Hendrix. You'll lock in and you'll find us. So in case you were tuning in this week, we started a new series last week on this pod and we started the greatest album of the decade series. And again, to give credit to where I got this idea from Eric Alper from Sirius XM, who joined me last week to do the 60s to help kick off this series. It's only right to bring on the guy that kind of inspired it. Right. Well, we kicked off the 60s last week and talked the greatest albums of that decade of the 60s. And this week we're going to do the 70s. And this time I have double trouble joining me as I have two guests joining me this week and i have john borak from goldmine magazine but john's gonna join us in another music friend that i met over the last week and reached out to hillary saunders from no depression she's the managing editor of that and i came across her because when i was doing research for 70s music and greatest album rankings websites she did some work for pace magazine and talking the greatest albums of the 70s so i reached out to her she was definitely down to come on so hillary's going to be joining us as well to help us dig into the 70s so let's go ahead and get into it let's not waste any time let's go ahead and time travel We're going to hit this time machine and go back and talk greatest albums of the decade and the 1970s. Hey, this is DC Hendricks. How you doing today? A little under the weather, but I'm, I'm all right. Oh, no. Let's see if we can make you feel a little bit better. They say music is sometimes the best medicine, so maybe we can there make you go. feel a little bit better. Hello, Hillary Saunders? Hi. Hey, there we go. There we go. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing awesome here. Doing awesome. So getting ready to dig into the 70s. I know I got you a little excited right. today, uh, digging in some of those vinyl records. So obviously there's some great songs as well of the 70s that don't quite make the albums list. Yes. But what are some songs that you think of? These days, um, Jackson Brown. I mean, that's that's a great example. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, again, that whole record is, is great front to pack. But um, <laughs> I remember being like in my 20s probably already, um, and learning that Jackson Brown wrote that just, like, complete, like, heartbreaker of a song at, like, 18 or something, 16 <laughs> maybe, um, just to have that sort of, like, like view of the world at such a young age, and then to discover it, you know, almost a decade later, not quite, in my own life, and be like, how is he so wise and profound? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I put together a list. Uh, just sort of off the top of my head, did a little research, but off the top of my head, mm-hmm. it, it, there's nobody on this particular song list that's on my album list that I put together. Ah, I tried to make a little different. I like that. But um, these are songs that, 
you know, many people would consider iconic songs, and I just consider my favorites because they're great songs, mean a lot to me. One is Joy to the World by Three Dog Night. Okay. I think that's one of the classic one of the classic singles of the of the nineteen seventies and just one that everyone recognizes it whenever they hear that opening little guitar piano intro and the Jeremiah was a bullfrog, everyone knows yep. the beginning to Joy to the World. And it just makes you feel good every time you hear it. Another one, since you know I'm a big power pop fan, <laughs> uh, is No Matter What by Badfinger. Okay. And that's a song. It was, you know, pretty a pretty big hit. I think it might have been 1972. I don't have it right in front of me, but um, you hear that opening crunchy guitar riff, and you just think, "Man, this is this is this is going to be awesome." And every time I hear that track come on satellite radio, I still turn the radio up way too loud. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's another one. The next two I've got here are both soul uh, singles. One is a group called the Shy Lights. Yes, Chicago. Okay, uh, love them. And I, I could have picked uh, their song "Oh Girl," which is amazing, but I picked "Have You Seen Her," which um, and that one. Every time I, I hear it, still gives me chills. It's just one of the most amazing tales of lost love ever, ever put into a three-minute pop song. Amazing. Let's see. The next one is the Stylistics. Ooh. And uh, I'm stone in love with you. Okay. Again, just a uh, perfect example of, of 70s soul. Russell Tompkins' lead vocals are just uh, just amazing, <laughs> beautiful song. And there's so many great songs that the Stylistics did in the 70s. You make me feel brand new. I mean, yeah. I, I could go on and on and on. <laughs> but uh, I chose uh, I'm stone in love with you. That's always been a favorite of mine. One of the groups I, I play in, Pop Dudes, we recorded a version of that. That nice. was uh, released on our album, Maximum Rock Stupidity, about a year ago. So um, always, always love that one. That's what, I, that's what I love about doing this podcast. I learn about new things, and that's also, you know, for the younger audience, this is also a chance for them uh, to check out, you know, some of the old tunes and travel back into time and hit that time machine. Um, so let's, let's go ahead and start digging into albums. So I'll give you the floor first. We'll go one by one. You'll go with number 10, and then I'll say my number 10. So your number 10 okay. personal favorite album of the 70s. I would put The Beatles' Let It Be at number 10. I have such a personal relationship with the Beatles. I got my master's degree in music business in Liverpool. Hey. Um, and it was, they were just one of those bands that um, I grew up listening to. My parents played me Beatles songs as lullabies as a child. And then I uh, grew up and, and their, their music was just always a part of my life. And, you know, the day that I, you know, discovered Eleanor Rigby was like, this is the saddest song ever written type thing. So I just have like such a personal relationship with that group. And Let It Be is, is a flawed record. You know, it, no one would ever say Let It Be is their favorite Beatles record um, mm-hmm. because the band was already so fractured at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in a way, the songs on, on Let It Be are mostly like glorified solo tracks from, from everyone in the Beatles. Um, <laughs> And yet, some of the best songs that the Beatles ever released are 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 on this record, and so it's just I gotta I gotta put it in my top ten. All right. Well, again, these are in no particular order. There's no way I could rank them, but okay. I'll just you know we'll just call it number ten. Okay. Um, it's uh, Electric Light Orchestra, a New World record, mm-hmm. 
uh, always been a huge ELO fan. This yes. was from 1976. Um, Jeff Lynn was sort of at the height of, of his songwriting prowess, I feel, at that time. Uh, it's got Telephone Line on it. Um, it's got a version of Do Ya, which he recorded with The Move earlier and redid with ELO. And mm-hmm. top to bottom, just an amazing record. One of my favorites ever. Yeah, absolutely. So this was, I actually did rank them because I'm too picky. So like I went through a little bit before we started recording here and I ranked all of mine. So at number 10, this was actually really tough, but 10 was probably the hardest. I pretty much had everything through 10 pretty much set, but number 10 was the hardest because, um, and you'll understand why after I say it, but not only was it hard to pick out of the Jackson 5 or Michael Jackson, it was hard to even include him, obviously because of how a lot of people feel about him. Um, things are a little bit different with him now than they were back in the 70s. But, hey, I went off the wall, Michael Jackson. I feel like this was his big, big breakthrough. Uh, 1979 includes hits like Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, Rock With You, Working Day and Night. Um, It was actually his fifth solo album. I didn't know that. I thought this was like one of the early ones. But his fifth solo album, August 10th of 1979 by Epic Records, Quincy Jones is producer. Um, And this was I think this was his big breakthrough before we ended up, you know, getting all the hits with Thriller that followed and Bad. So I had Off the Wall by Michael Jackson at number 10. Well, that's definitely a, a, a great record, and that almost cracked mine as, as well, just because, ah. you know, Michael was doing stuff back then that really a lot of people weren't doing, mm-hmm. and um, and his albums were so consistent. A lot of albums of that ilk, you had one or two decent songs, and the rest was filler, but his was um, no filler. I mean, every song on that album is uh, definitely a really good one. Number nine is... Um, album in 1971 by The Who, Who's Next? Yes. And yes. that's just a, a, a staple of FM radio still. And you've got Baba O'Reilly and Won't Get Fooled Again and Bargain and just so many great songs. Out here in the fields Roger Daltrey's vocals were just incredible. You know, his scream at, at the end of Won't Get Fooled Again is one of rock's greatest moments, I think. And Pete Townsend's use of the synthesizer, there, you know, there hadn't been a ton of um, applications of the synthesizer in rock music back then. And, um, you know, so that album was influential and, you know, somebody you can still listen to today and it doesn't sound dated. Okay. Um, so my, like, 7 to 10 are not, like... They're not ranked strictly, we'll say. Um, <laughs> and I was, we were talking about this offline. Um, I, my, my favorite records of the 70s are, are kind of funny. I have, like, separate lists of, like, oh, well, you know, some of the most important records. <laughs> but to me, like, my, my top ten are 
record that I still listen to mm-hmm. most regularly today in 2020. Yep. Um, and it's funny, I actually have a lot of them on vinyl. Um, and so before this call, I was like running through all of my <laughs> shelves, sort of like pulling out the, the ones from the 70s so that I could like jump up and reference them as needed. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. At number nine, Betty Davis's self-titled record. Ooh. Um, and that that is some genius it right there and she just doesn't get enough recognition um for for her work for her style for her fashion for her voice for her melodies um for for really bringing funk to the forefront in a lot of ways um because you know she was married to miles davis and mm-hmm. we can talk about this is later um for what like a year or something and kept his name, and so it's always like, oh, well, it's Miles Davis's wife. Like, no. <laughs> Listen to this record, and if you still can, buy the Final Me Please edition, because it's like this beautiful, like, splattered, um, sort of like grayish silver vinyl, um, and it's beautiful, and just like, get in with that. What a great pick. What a great pick there. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> She's definitely underrated, you know, in terms of I, I wouldn't say that she's just Miles Davis's wife, but um, right, yeah. But that that self titled album. But I feel like a lot of people just write her off like that. Kind of do. Don't know. Kind of do. Yeah, I went back to 1973 yeah. on me with that album too. I like that. Obviously, you know, big ones. Mm-hmm. I love. I actually have this record too. So on side one, um, I love how it starts with. I think it's called "If I'm in Luck," and I think there's more word, but I know it's "If I'm in Luck." Um, and then goes waking up the road is one of my personal favorites. Um, mm-hmm. on there. and then side two, um, game is my middle name is one of my favorites. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. Good pick there. Good pick there, Hillary. Um, so yeah. Betty Davis at number nine. I like my next one. I have, this is, this was kind of a tough one too. Um, because I had, you know, Michael Jackson, and this this group in the same mix so i had to give them the slight edge so back in 1975 you had a six studio album by the one and only earth wind and fire god bless and rest maurice white uh lead singer earth wind and fire but they released their fifth sixth studio album that's the way of the world Now, this one has big hits on it. Happy Feeling, Shining Star, That's the Way of the World. All the way through, this was also, full disclosure, one of the first vinyl records that I picked up after I got my record player. And my daughter actually picked it out, by the way. We're in the record store. She's like, look, Daddy, Earth, Wind & Fire. So uh, she nailed it because this is one of my personal favorite albums ever. And it just so happened to be released in 1975. So got to give Earth, Wind & Fire the plug right there with That's the Way of the World. 
Yeah, that's uh, a great album, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Man, when I was in junior high and high school, <laughs> they were all over the radio, and everyone loved them. I mean, you know, so many big hits and so much great musicianship, and everyone in that band could just sing and play, and, and you know, Philip Bailey's vocals were, yes. ooh, man, awesome stuff. <laughs> uh, let's see, number eight for me would be by a British singer-songwriter. This is towards the end of the decade, 1979. His name's Graham Parker. Okay. And his album is called Squeezing Out Sparks. And I think it's his fourth record, I believe. Um, and it was his first for Arista Records. And it was his most commercially successful. Hmm. Um, I think it landed at number 40 on the album charts, uh, although it didn't produce any hit singles. But it's sort of a... You know, back then you would have called it New Wave because it didn't sound like the Eagles or, or Fleetwood Mac or, or any of the hit makers who had been on the charts for a little while. But mm -hmm. just really energetic rock and roll songs. Graham Parker still has, you know, one of the great passionate voices of rock and roll. Um, a lot of people back then compared him to Elvis Costello and Joe Jackson, mm. uh, maybe because of the vocals a little bit. Didn't really sound like either one of those two. This is just a tough rock and roll record from beginning to end. Uh, and his backing band, The Rumor, uh, just an amazing group of, of players who could just knock any song out, out of the park. So that's my, uh, that's my number eight, squeezing out sparks, Graham Parker. I like it. I like it. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, excuse me, Damn the Torpedoes. Okay. What a great record. Okay. Um, I also, my love for Tom Petty, like, goes long and deep. Um, again, just like that, that greatest hits record, uh, you know, went like 14 times platinum or something. And I remember <laughs> trying to like, uh, you know, borrow it from my parents as a kid. And they were like, you can listen to it, but I'm going to need that back. <laughs> um, so digging in uh, to like each individual record um, growing up and especially, um, even even with new ears in a way after he passed um, mm -hmm. has been delightful d despite the a little bit of heartache. Mm -hmm. um, so I remember I had just moved to New York and realized that uh, that a couple summers ago um, and realized that Tom Tom Petty had um, two dates at Forest Hill Stadium um, and one of them was on my birthday and I always get weird like about birthdays. And I, like, didn't want to do the thing of just, like, uh, you know, going to a bar and bringing all my friends. Like, <laughs> uh, it, uh, just not, it's not my style. Mm -hmm. So I remember I called home and asked my mom to, like, spend a bunch of money to <laughs> come up to New York City and um, hang out in town with me and go see Tom Petty with me on my birthday. Awesome. And uh, she did, and I am so lucky that she was able to... She was down and able to make that happen, and uh, it turned out to be his last tour, and um, it was the only time I got to see him, and, you know, now I listen to songs, you know, on Damn the Torpedoes, like, even mm -hmm. The Losers, and, you know, that's a huge single, and we all love it, mm -hmm. but I listen to it in new ways, and it's just, I love it, dude, and I want that Rickenbacker he plays mm -hmm. that's on the... The, the photo on the album cover. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, I love that album cover. Definitely monumental. This was uh, 1979. Refu Refugee. Yeah. Refugee, a huge song, huge single on here. Oh, yeah. Um, ended up becoming big. That's a great one. Great one. Well, genre. if you listen to Refugee now, like, with everything going on politically, and you're just like, oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Like, 
Tom saying that in 1979. Oof. Like, all right. <laughs> Way ahead of his time, way ahead of his time back in 1979. So, so my number eight is a band that you either hate or love. Um, it's, it's just one of those, one of those bands. You either hate them or you love them. And I absolutely love them. And this is my favorite album from this band. This is their fourth studio album released in January of 1978 by American rock band Journey with Infinity. And this was also the band's first album with lead vocalist, the one and only Steve Perry, and also the last to feature their drummer, Ainsley Dunbar, as well. But this was a huge album for Journey, just big hits. Um, starts off fire with Lights, their big hit, the number one song, and then you got Feeling That Way leading into Any Time. You also have Wheel in the Sky, one of my personal favorite songs, towards the end of the album, and ends with Open the Door just all the way through i mean it's, it's a nice pop album you know it's it kind of you know got little pop rock in there um in the early days 1978 so i had to throw in journey i the hardest part was figuring out which number and i feel like i did them justice as my number eight all right let's see number seven i've got another uh another british group uh released a bunch of albums this was their most popular one um and I know you've heard of. They're called The Clash. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. I know where you're going with this. The album is London Calling. Ah. Got that one. London Calling. <laughs> That's number seven. Um... That was their tour de force, I think. And um, they had their uh, biggest uh, top 40 hit on there, Train, Train in Vain, mm-hmm. or Stand By Me, as, as it was parenthetically titled. Mm-hmm. Um, great pop rock record from beginning to end. It, it still had their punk energy and that, and that punk edge to it. But the production was smoothed out a little bit, so it was a little more palatable for the mainstream audience. I almost picked their first album. Mm. Uh, which is just this raging punk rock record from beginning to end with Joe Strummer just spitting out the lyrics and just the whole angry young man thing. But uh, overall, I think the songs are maybe front to back a little bit better and a little bit more varied on London Calling. And uh, so that's my number seven. Another one that was very close to cracking the list. Big, big fan of The Clash. Um, and I love Training Vain, Stand By Me. I play that at least once a week on my sports show, just exiting the show. I just love it. It's upbeat. Uh. It's upbeat. You know, I love, I love how it starts off. You nailed it with that one. Kind of sticking in the same genre, I guess a little bit more pop than rock. Um, but I went yeah. at number seven. This is another guy. This is a solo guy, though, um, that kind of like journey uh kind of had to grow on me as i got older i'm a little bit older now so i listen to different music than i did obviously when i was a teenager um and really didn't like him either when i first heard him i was like i don't like this i don't i'm sorry i tried to give him a chance because he's a legend i mean he's a legend like a lot of people talk about him and i'm like i just don't i don't get the appeal well as i got older i got the appeal especially with this album goodbye yellow brick road 
by the one and only oh, Elton John. Yes. Love. Yes. I, uh, I'm just being honest. It's per- personally, I just didn't get the appeal at first, but this album right here, <laughs> I, I listened to this. So full disclosure, I listened to this album in its entirety, um, about, let me think about three years ago, about three, four years ago, I listened to this album in its entirety instantly, just like that became one of my favorites. I was like, okay, this is why everyone oh. likes, this is why everyone likes Elton John. It makes sense now. And this album right yeah. here gave me a whole new respect for Elton John. And I, now I listen to everything and I listen to all kinds of Elton John songs. So for me at number seven, I have Elton John with goodbye, yellow brick road. I mean, the man's a genius and you could have, I, put Elton John on sort of one of my sub lists of just like, I don't even know which one to pick because <laughs> like, I also grew up with Madman Across the Water with Honky Chateau. Ooh. Like you could pick Captain Fantastic. Like you could have picked Fantastic. any of these Elton John records and like anyone would be like, yeah, that's the one. That makes sense. Yeah. So, I uh, love it. Thank you. I love thank that. You. I love your story too. Thank you. Thank you. I got to be honest. So, um, I definitely exposed myself with that one. I'm going to get some criticism for that. Like, what? You didn't listen to it till three, four years ago? I'm sorry. Hey, sometimes that's how it works. You, you know, don't listen. That's exactly. How it works. I, I, don't, I don't believe in that kind of criticism. It's like, as long as, you know, because I, I also have a sub list of, like, records that I know are important, but I'm like, I, have, like, I haven't spent, excuse me, like, quality time with Gil Scott Heron's The Revolution Will Not Be Televised. Mm. Is it one of the most important records of the 70s? Hell yeah, it is. Right. So it's it's more of a matter of like continuing to be curious enough to to listen to these records, and then you know if and when you discover them, you love them. Like I just think that's that's one of the great things about music is that you know these records are are texts and tomes and like that's right. you know like monuments to to moments in time, you know, and and discovering them any time is right. is the gift. That's right. And, you know, and the beauty about music is you discover it at different times. So, yeah, that would that was that was my number seven. So let's move to number six. What do you have at number six? Let's put Devo at six. Are we not men? We are Devo. Mm. Yeah, man. Like this record, it's it's so progressive. It's so ahead of its time. It's so weird, dude. But it, it <laughs> like it paved the way for for so much other. Um, I, I know I just said the word weird, but like. Mm-hmm weird music and and to be okay with that in the mainstream mm-hmm. um yeah it's like a little punk and it's a little electronic like in a way like i would say keyboard. this is the comparison i would make so basically think of this think of the band alt rock band phoenix in the 1970s mm-hmm. that would be Ooh. like like an, like a yeah something like okay. that alternative rock band like way before their time in the seventies yeah yeah this and this is a I good like pick that. this is a good pick too nineteen seventy eight you went back um obviously they have their version of I can't get no satisfaction on that one I remember that um so yeah and pick. you could pick again you could pick any Rolling Stones record mm-hmm. and put it in the top ten of the seventies too that's true or you could do an entire top ten of the 70s and have it all be Rolling Stones records. That's right. You could. Uh, you got uh, Exile on Main Street. I know that's one that's mm-hmm. probably on a lot of people's Sorry. list. So I like that though. Devo. I like that. I like your list so far, Hillary. Uh, def- <laughs> definitely different. Um, but Devo, I slept on that one. I'm just- Let's see, number six for me, uh, going back to Britain again. <laughs> uh, I mentioned him earlier when discussing Graham Parker. Um, 
This is an album called Armed Forces by Elvis Costello. Elvis Costello, yes. yes. Yeah, that was 1979. I could have very well picked uh, either of his first two albums. Uh, big fan of his second album as well, this year's Model, which came out the year before in 1978. But uh, Armed Forces has a lot of great songs on it. It's got some really cool production flourishes on it, too, which kind of make it sound a little bit uh, Phil Spector influenced almost on some of the songs. It's mm-hmm. got his um, probably best known song, even though he didn't write it. Mm-hmm. Uh, What's so funny about peace, love, and understanding? Mm-hmm. That one's on there. That was written by Nick Lowe, um, another big favorite of mine, uh, who has an album that almost made this list as well. But Armed Forces is just filled with really cool songs. A lot of a lot of quirky tunes like Goon Squad and Green Shirt, and and just some really Awesome lyrics, which you always expect from Elvis Costello. A lot of great, great wordplay in there, and just some great tunes and great playing by his band, The Attraction. So it's it's uh, not my favorite album of his, mm-hmm. close, but um, it definitely made this list of my favorites of the seventies. Elvis Costello, Armed Forces, number six. I like it, and clo- um, and I thought the album was in the eighties. So you definitely that that includes that research that you did because I just assumed that that was in the eighties. I thought that was like eighty one, eighty two, but nineteen seventy nine. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Elvis Costello. So at number six, uh, this album was recorded in London. Um, and this is the second studio album from English rock band. And it, this was, this barely cracked the list, 1970. Um, and this is the band's only LP to top the UK albums charts until the release of 13 back in 2013. And this, I'm, I'm like, I'm giving hints and making everyone, <laughs> uh, making everyone wait for my pick, but heavy metal. This was the birth of it. Includes big songs like Iron Man, War Pigs, of course, the self-titled um, track Paranoid, and that is by the one and only Black Sabbath, Ozzy Osbourne. in their masses just like witches at black masses evil minds that plot destruction sorcerer of death's construction in the fields of bodies burning machine keeps turning death and hatred to mankind poisoning their brainwashed minds oh, uh, when i was younger i thought it was a little top heavy because um obviously on the first side you have all the big songs you have war pigs paranoid iron man but the second side i feel like is very underrated when you got hand of doom and it ends with fairies wear boots uh very underrated tracks on the second side and we refer to it as vinyl records on here that's why i say side one side two um uh-huh. so that that is one record i had to give some love almost had it in the top five but not quite black sabbath at number six with paranoid cool that's yeah that's definitely uh one of the uh key heavy metal albums ever mm-hmm. and, and you know the 70s especially mm-hmm. and Ozzy's 
Still out there doing it. He is. Kudos to he him. Is. <laughs> All right, number five. Uh, first of my two Power Pop albums okay. on on here. As you know, I'm, I'm a big Power Pop fan. I yeah. mentioned that earlier too. Yeah. Um, this one is by a group called Big Star. Um, didn't have any hits, but super influential band. Um, influenced tons of groups who followed, like the DBs and mm-hmm. Game Theory and a lot of um, 80s uh, alternative bands and, and beyond. Okay. Um, REM, they were a big influence on REM as well. Uh, and the Posies. And as a matter of fact, oh. um, when Big Star reformed in the 90s, uh, Two of the original members, Alex Chilton and Jody Stevens, got together with two of the Posies, Ken Stringfellow and John Hour, and that was Big Star. So two of the Posies actually became members of Big Star in the 90s and beyond. Mm-hmm. But this album I, I picked at number five was their second album, mm-hmm. uh, and, it, and it, it's really tough because I love all three of their records. They only had three albums. I love all three. But I picked their second one for this list because it has their most well-known song on it, September Girls. Uh, just one of the uh, one of the greatest power pop songs ever, mm-hmm. and the album is called Radio City. Okay, and came out in 1973, I believe it was. Okay, and it's just um, you know 11 songs. Um, I'm sorry, 12 songs. Uh, 12 songs, just um, sort of a little bit of skewed power pop. I mean, it it doesn't sound like your traditional stuff. It's, it's got some, a lot of twists and turns, a lot of left field stuff coming out, some interesting sounds and, and just different things. But mm-hmm. Alex Chilton, uh, he was the lead singer. He was also the lead singer of the Box Tops. Yeah, um, that's right. Before, yeah. uh, before Big Star. Um, but Alex Chilton uh, wrote most of the songs on here. And um, just an amazing achievement, you know, besides uh, September Girls, there's songs like um, You Get What You Deserve, um, Oh My Soul, Maud Lang, Back of a Car. Uh, just so many incredible songs. A lot of people haven't heard this record because, again, uh, at least out here in California or where, where I am, you never heard it on the radio. Right. And a lot of people kind of caught up to it after the fact. because it, it didn't really sell or get airplay in 1973, and people kind of caught on to it maybe at the latter part of the decade. But one of my favorite records ever, and one of my favorite bands ever, Big Star, number five, and Radio City is the album. Let's do Led Zeppelin four mm. at number five. Mm. Also, metal adjacent, we'll say. Mm. Um, dude, every record, or every song on that record, like, is a banger. <laughs> and I just don't understand how... They did that. <laughs> um, I was learning how to play guitar as a teenager. I remember my teacher um, would basically say, pick a song that you want to learn, bring it into your lesson, and we'll work through learning how to play it. That way, you know, you can play along with your, your favorite songs that you hear on the radio or whatever. And I was like, all right. So, side note, the first song <laughs> that I wanted to learn how to play was Bon Jovi's Wanted Dead or Alive. And my teacher looks at me and is like, do you maybe want to pick something a little easier? And I was like, nope, I want to be Richie Sambora. And he was like, all right, let's go. So one of the next songs I brought in was Black Dog.
and again, he was like, dude, are you sure? <laughs> and I said, yes, absolutely. So I remember devotedly practicing that riff to a metronome because I am a perfectionist. So all of the up and down picking correctly, you know, mapping out like the, the, the timing of everything. And like, Jimmy Page is a, is a guitar god. Mm-hmm. I mean, Absolutely. I know we're moving away, and we probably should, from, you know, those types of, like, you know, tropes and, and mm-hmm. styles of, of music criticism and writing and that type of language. But, like, he's a dude. Like, mm-hmm. and every single song on that album, like, if I could capture the, the tone of the drums in When the Levee Breaks, like, it's like all I need in my life. And actually, apparently the story is that um, they recorded that song in like an empty house mm-hmm. um, and like in the middle of the house, um, mm-hmm. like, and like, and, and that had like multiple floors. And so it was like that sound like rising, I guess. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, and of course we can talk about Stairway to Heaven too, but anyway, Black Dog yep. and When the Lovey Breaks are my favorites. <laughs> And, yeah. oh, man, like, going to California, too. Like, yes. shit, that record is brilliant. Yes, that was an underrated one. I was just ready to mention that. Great Minds Think Alike. Yeah, going to California, mm-hmm. an underrated one on side two. Another one, another vinyl that I have. So we're basically going through our collections here. Um, yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of people know Stairway to Heaven. That's probably the big song on there. But, yeah, Black Dog. So how did you do on Black Dog? How did you do playing playing that? Oh, man, I nailed it. <laughs> Cause I you're, still, I I... I have a bunch of instruments, but ah. I don't play them as much as I should oh, anymore. No. And change that. if you hand me a guitar, I can still bust out the riff to Black Dog. All right, one day if I'm uh, if I'm in the area, I'm gonna have to put you to that. I'm gonna have to see. I'm like, all right, ready, ready for Black Dog. So, absolutely <laughs> great, great stuff, great stuff. Can so, you sing though? Can I can you be the Robert Plant. <laughs> I can definitely sing. Yes, absolutely. I'll be Let's Robert Plant. You be Jimmy Page. We could do it. We got this. I got the hair, man. Let's do I it. Fluff it out a little bit more, and we're ready to go. Let's do it. Rock and roll <laughs> stars. Yeah, I love that. Led Zeppelin yes. four. I like it. I like it. kind of in the same mind frame here at number five in December of nineteen seventy three. Third studio album by British American rock band Paul McCartney and the Wings. Now I did a podcast on this particular album with the one and only Denny Lane. Um, actually, two years ago we revisited this album. Told me all kinds of crazy stories. Uh, Paul McCartney getting pulled over for weed. Um, all kinds of different stuff. Uh, Denny, <laughs> Denny Lane has a lot of stories. Um, you know regarding the you know behind the scenes recording of this fantastic album, Band on the Run, which some of it was recorded in Nigeria. Everyone pretty much knows the song Band on the Run. And this was Paul McCartney's fifth album after leaving the Beatles in April of 1970. So five albums since 1970. 
all the way. I mean, just until 1973, already five albums for Paul McCartney. But this one, obviously, big hits like Band on the Run, self-titled. You have Jet. Um, even on, I know Side 2 is one that maybe maybe people weren't turning it to Side 2, but you have No Words. Even on Side 1, you have Let Me Roll It. Uh, Mrs. Vanderbilt, another big one that was on this album. Absolutely love Band on the Run. It cracked my top five. One of my personal favorites. Yeah, that's one of mine too. And you'll you'll hear an album by uh, Paul McCartney uh, pre 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 Wings, but Ooh. you'll you'll hear that a little later because like I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Paul. So yes. that's a great pick. So let's see, where are we now? Number four, right? Number four. Yeah, number four on my list. Um, a little punk rock from one of my favorite bands ever. I'd say mm. that the Beatles are my favorite band ever. Oh yes. And this is probably my next favorite band. A lot of people who don't know me that well wouldn't think I would be that fond of this band because it's sort of unlike unlike me, I guess. But uh, it's the Ramones. Ooh. And the album is their second album for Sire Records, 1977, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Ramones Leave Home. And honestly, I could have picked any Ramones album and, and probably put it at number four on this list because... Right. I love pretty much everything that they did from their debut in 1976 up to like 1985 or so. Mm-hmm. But uh, Ramon's Leave Home just has every song on it's great. <laughs> and um, <laughs> just the, the energy, um, the snottiness, you know, Joey Ramon's um, unique lead vocals, powerful guitar. It's a lot, a lot better produced than their first record was. And um, just one of my favorites, Ramones Leave Home, number four, punk rock. Okay, let's get weird. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and to anyone listening, please forgive my pronunciation. <laughs> but Alice Coltrane featuring Sparrow Sanders' Journey in Satadanada. Da-na-da. <laughs> um, I'm a lapsed harpist. Um, I grew up playing the harp, um, and it's, you know, a hard instrument to... <laughs> Uh, travel with. Um, so <laughs> after college, I you know wasn't able to play regularly anymore. Um, but listening to Alice Coltrane play the harp is transcendent. Um, and I only I only discovered this record a few years ago. Um, but I could listen to the title track, which itself is like you know more than ten minutes or something, um, which in 2020 is essentially an eternity. Um, but I could listen to that track on repeat for hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole record, it's so, it's so moody. It's so thoughtful. Um, it's, it's so spiritual. Um, and I, I found lately um, in my job, I do more editing than I do writing these days. And it's, it's mm-hmm. hard for me to listen to music with lyrics when I'm editing, I like my brain just gets like too distracted. Oh, I'm with uh, you. But when I'm yeah. writing, I have to have like music on. But anyway, when I'm editing, it <laughs> it has to be instrumental or lyricless. And this is one of my favorite albums to like to think to. <laughs> I like it. I like yeah, it. I, yeah, we I, all have got to be in the top five. Yes, absolutely. It has to be, especially if it helps you, you know, it motivates you to get the job done. I like that. I like that. And that is obviously that's John Coltrane's wife, correct? Yes. That's yes. what I thought. Again, yeah, sort of like Betty Davis of just yeah. always uh, underrated and sort of cast aside, you know, from her yeah, more famous husband. 
Well, music nerds like us, music nerds like us know what visionary she was on the piano, composer. I mean, name it. And she did it. So Mm -hmm. uh, music nerds like us know. (laughs) So that's why we got it here today. Yeah. Number four. I also like elevate like black women like that um, who, who, you know, deserve that platform so much. Um, And their work is just incredible. So, yeah. Absolutely. Well said. Well said. And at number four, this is someone that I also feel like um, is a little bit over underlooked, so to speak. I know there's been a lot of turmoil with this group over the last couple of years. The guitarist um, is no longer in the group and I'm no longer in the band. So that makes things a little bit difficult. Um, but she has grown up. She has made history at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, became the first woman inducted both in a group and solo made history. And with this band, though, with this band, she made history with this album. Now, we all go through relationship problems and heartbreak and all of that. And this album helped me get through one. The greatest, and I will go on record to say this, and I've said it before, the greatest breakup heartbreak album ever. And it'll help you get through. That is Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. had to have that in my top five it helped me tremendously and stevie nicks obviously who i was referring to before beautiful on this Lindsay buckingham no longer with the band but you can hear his influence on this album but rumors i mean both sides oh yeah both sides all the way through just nothing but cuts go your own way dreams my personal favorite fleetwood mac song ever um just take your pick it's yeah. all over the place mm-hmm. fleetwood mac rumors at number four had to have it um it also I mean, not to mention, you got Songbird, you got The Chain. I mean, where does it stop? I was going to say, The Chain is one of the heaviest songs ever written. Like, how Black Sabbath do mm. The Chain? Like, mm. Talk about heavy. <laughs> now we're talking. Now we're talking. We gotta, we, people got to pay. People got to pay for those kind of ideas, though. That is that is brilliant right there. Now we're talking. Yeah, man. So, yeah, Fleetwood <laughs> like Mac. Sources. That was my idea. That is awesome. Yep. Hillary Saunders said it first here. So I uh, don't want to hear any copyright. So Fleetwood Mac, I have them at number four with rumor. That's a great one. And, you know, speaking of Fleetwood Mac, I am a huge fan of Lindsey Buckingham. Oh, yeah. Um, he, you know, his songwriting, his guitar playing, I think he's one of those almost unheralded geniuses of, of rock and roll. And his solo material is amazing, and the stuff he did with Fleetwood Mac was unique and incredible. And, um, yeah, super big fan. So, all right, number three um, went way off the charts for this one because this <laughs> band never had any hit singles. They never had any popular songs. They were on a major label. Mm. Portrait Records, which was a subsidiary of CBS Records. But they're well-known amongst Power Pop fans, and the band is called 2020. Oh, yeah. And this is this is their self, self-titled album from 1979. Okay. This is Power Pop through and through. And for those of your listeners who aren't uh, familiar with what Power Pop is, it's, it's basically, without getting into too um, 
tight of a definition here. It's basically music that was influenced by the Beatles and the Birds and the Beach Boys, a lot of bands in the 60s, but with uh, guitars and harmonies and a lot of energy. Uh, 2020, uh, their album was great because it not only had all those elements I just mentioned, but it had a little bit of synthesizer in there, so the sound was a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was produced by a guy named Earl Mankey, who also produced Sparks, among other bands. And the production on this one is is really cool. And the songs, um, front to back, amazing. Uh, the song that people might know if they listen to radio in the late 70s, early 80s, um, kind of like new wave radio, I guess, mm-hmm. would be the song Yellow Pills. Uh, that's sort of their signature song. Okay. And it's, it's just an amazing record. And they continued to put out records for a few years after that, broke up for a while, got back together in the late 90s. Um, and there are two main guys, uh, Ron Flint and Steve Allen. They've been promising that 2020 is going to get back together and do some shows and maybe some new recording in 2020. So look out for 2020 and 2020. <laughs> That's my number three record, 2020's debut album. I love it. I love how you went off the charts on that one. I love it. So my top three, again, these for me are the records that I still listen to on a regular basis. Um, there are so many records that... We haven't talked about um, that. You know, we could we could. This podcast would be too long if we talked about every amazing record <laughs> right. from the nineteen seventies. Right. But again, for me, um, coming in at number three, Joni Mitchell's Blue. Mm. Also, oh. one of the best like heart heart ache records of all time. Yes, songs are like tattoos. You know I've been to see before Crown and anchor me Or let me sail away Hey Blue There is a song for you In Connipeer so that's what happens when you have to rank them. You end up losing some somewhere yeah. in there. And this is, I did a podcast on this one as well. Um, editor from Ultimate Classic Rock, Michael Gallucci. We did a album anniversary on this. And Joni actually, uh, who, who runs her accounts, actually shared the podcast because we were uh, yes. celebrating the, yeah, it was awesome. Um, celebrating the anniversary for it. So yeah, that was, that's a great one. 1971. Another one, front to back. You obviously have self titled. You got All I Want. Oh yeah. Um, what was another one? I like a case of you. California. Uh, California on the, on the hammer dulcimer. Oh my god! Yes. But yeah, a case of you will wreck me. I can be in like a bright, happy mood and listen to a case of you and just like start weeping. Just, take, just <laughs> takes it, takes it all away, doesn't it? Yeah, that. Oh, That's yeah. a good one. That is a good one. All right. So at number three, I went a little bit of a different route. Um, we haven't talked about. I guess this band or genre yet in this album right here back in 1977 was certified gold in Canada, France, Germany, United States, platinum in the UK, um, went on the U S billboard 200 as high as number 20. Um, you know, the U S R and B albums all the way up to number 15. And back in 1977, I also did a podcast on this one where I got to interview the guitarist of this group. His name was junior Marvin. And we reflected on the anniversary of, Exodus by Bob Marley and the Wailers. Don't worry about a thing. Cause every little 
one of my personal favorite albums absolutely um you have one love people get ready i mean just a peace and love album this was a rough time for you know the people in kingston jamaica um a rough time everywhere and people just rally behind bob marley this is the greatest reggae album ever as well um i'm sure that's not going out on a limb or you know a strong opinion or anything but you have exodus you have three little birds one of the most positive songs ever you have jamin and you know an underrated cut that you have turn your lights down low i know rita uh bob's wife makes an appearance on here um you know with the ladies and this this album just all the way through john absolutely fantastic i wanted to have it higher but there's just two records that i think are a little bit better and resonate with me just a little bit more but number three i have bob marley and the whalers with exodus all right well we're down to the top two and my number two is uh someone you've you've probably heard of uh, your your listeners may have heard of them mm-hmm. uh, heard of him his name is john lennon Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Maybe, possibly, um, maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and his 1971 album, Imagine. Imagine all the people. Again, all these records, you know, I keep saying front to back amazing songs, but this is another one. Yeah. Um, not not only Imagine. Uh, which is, you know, I would say definitely John Lennon's signature solo song. You still hear it everywhere. Uh, but there were other really cool tracks on there, like Oh My Love, uh, Jealous Guy, which actually started out as a Beatles song uh, back in back during the Let It Be sessions. It was originally called Child of Nature. And then he redid the lyrics and um, you know to be about him and Yoko and called it Jealous Guy. Uh, oh, my love, crippled inside. I don't want to be a soldier. Um, song that was supposed to be aimed at Paul McCartney called How Do You Sleep? Um, very angry song with some yep. slide guitar from George Harrison. Had some, uh, had some uh, Beatles, just, had some Beatles beef. Oh yeah. <laughs> but just, uh, just a great record. And, um, John Lennon's solo pinnacle for sure to me. Uh, number two, imagine. I love it. Yeah, I should have re- included that on my songs because I'm all about you have me on Facebook. So I'm really all about peace and love and, you know, trying to spread that. And obviously with Imagine, that's probably the anthem of that, you know, spreading peace and love, you know, across everywhere. So I probably should have included that. But that's why I brought you on. Once again, you once again, you nail it. OK, number two is going to be Bob Dylan, Blood on the Tracks. Mm. I believe um, if I remember correctly, listening to you doing my research and listening to some old podcasts. We're not necessarily a Bob Dylan fan. That is correct. That is okay. correct. Okay. Got, got um, much okay. respect for him. Um, I've done a podcast on him before too. Uh, the More Blood, More okay. Tracks set I didn't that. To that one. Sorry. Yeah, that, that set that came out last year. The More Blood, More Tracks volume yeah. volume fourteen. Yeah, I did one, and it was I did it in, in terms of to kind of give me a homework assignment. You know, I wanted to learn a little bit more yeah. about him because I'm. There's no transparency here. I am, you know, what you see is what you get. I'm honest. And I wanted to learn more about him. So I do have much respect for Bob Dylan. Yeah. I mean, I remember discovering some of, like, individual tracks on this record, sort of, you know, while delving into Bob's prolific catalog. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, so, like, you know, I... I think I read a poem that was inspired by Tangled Up in Blue, like in mm. high school type thing. Mm. Um, but then coming to this record again after years, actually, after uh, like my first real breakup type thing. Um, and I remember 
I was living, I was bouncing around the Pacific Northwest for a few months, sort of wondering, like, could I live here? Um, and listened to If You See Her Say Hello um, in my car, and just something hit me at the right moment. And I just, like, parked my car, like, couldn't, couldn't even walk from the car to my house yet, oh. and just crying of, like, this song, like, gets me. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, <laughs> my, my best friend in grad school um, would do the most hilarious imitation of Bob singing Buckets of Rain. <laughs> so I, I never, like, paid attention to that song because I just heard her voice, you know, yeah. being goofy and nasally. <laughs> and then I listened to that song again and was like, this is brilliant. <laughs> um, but even just like, you're going to make me lonesome when you go. Mm-hmm. Um, simple twist of fate. I mean, oof, oof. Those, there, there are some cutting songs on mm-hmm. that record. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Tangled Up in Blue. I actually do love that one. And that starts, that starts, oh, yeah. the, that starts the album off with the bang. Um, so good pick. Oh, you, yeah. you really can't go, I mean, with you, Bob Dylan is one of those guys, kind of like what you said earlier with Elton John. Um, take your pick in the seventies. I mean, uh, you got Dylan, you got Dylan in 73. Um, one that I didn't even know self portrait, which is one that I've heard is 70. I thought that was sixties. So, I mean, seventies, you can take your pick with Bob Dylan as well. Slow train coming. Um, Oh oh my goodness. Yeah. Bob, the the basement. Yeah. The basement tapes. Yeah. Yeah. 75. So, Good pick. I yeah. mean, you really can't go wrong. I mean, I know I'm not a huge fan, but like I, you, we all appreciate the greats and the ones that, you know, pave the way for ones that we listen to today. And Bob Dylan is definitely one of those. I can't take it away. And I'm really glad you have Blood yeah. on the Tracks on your list. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, absolutely great stuff. So you have him at number two. My yeah. number two is one that I think we both will enjoy. Now, this is the last this is the last I'll mention this. But in terms of peace and love. I feel like we had an entire soundtrack for this decade released in terms of that movement. Now, as an African-American, and I mentioned this to John, as an African-American, this album right here, I mean, it's it's not only for African-Americans, but it was to unite African-Americans with everyone. And... In, in, in hopes that's what he was doing, you know, and there was a lot going on around this time. Uh, he even mentioned the Vietnam War a lot, talked about that a lot on this album. There was a lot going on and everyone was like trying to forget it like it wasn't happening. And he wanted to remind everyone, look, this world is ugly. There's a lot going on and we need to mm-hmm. you know, fix what's going on. And I'm sure I'm giving away big hints now. Um, and that is Marvin Gaye, <laughs> Marvin Gaye with what's going on. There's no way I couldn't have this not in my mm-hmm. top 10. I really wanted to have it number one, but there is one album that I love even more than this one, but all the way through this one as well. I did a podcast on this one, What's Going On as well. Um, I did it with a guy named Jason Gurriel, and this is going back because this was a couple years ago, Um, and I think he was with Guardian at the time. 
And we went back on this album. And again, you can take your pick. Another one that has songs all the way through Mercy, Mercy Me is actually my personal favorite. I know uh, what's going on is one that everyone else you know probably resonates with. But Mercy, Mercy Me. Yep, all the way. One of the most important records of all time, full stop. I have nothing else to add. Absolutely, absolutely. So number one, our number one, we've reached it this far. What's your number one? All right. Bruce Springsteen, Born to Run. Born to Run. How I know. I felt it. I felt as soon as you said Bruce Springsteen. I mean, you could take your pick on Bruce Springsteen in the 70s, too. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of people put uh, Darkness on the Edge of Town, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's got to be Born to Run, man. It's got to be. Um, every time I get in my car and drive, <laughs> I put on this record. Gotta get up while we're young, cause The narrative of of Thunder Road, um, the 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 mystery and the and the lore of Tenth Avenue Freeze Out, mm. um, Clarence Clemens solo in Jungle Land Jungle, will yep. stop me in my tracks. Yep, yep. Um, Clarence was actually the first musician that, like, when when they died, it broke me. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I was in grad school and. Uh, again, I was in England, and so, you know, I was five hours ahead or whatever and found out sort of in the middle of the night and just sat on my bed and, like, played this record and just, like, mourned, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but but this is a joyful record. It, this is the record that, you know, Columbia, the, Bruce's record label, you know, was like, I don't know about this guy. <laughs> like, you know, we've put out two records already. They're like, mm-hmm. they didn't do so great. And Born to Run came out, and like everything exploded. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am extraordinarily lucky. The goddess and goddesses of music smiled upon me, and I got through Ticketmaster's stupid system thing <laughs> on the internet and managed to get two tickets to um, Springsteen on Broadway. Ooh! Um, and before, yeah, I guess God, it was last. Like two Novembers ago, or Ooh, something like that. Anyway, um, and again, I got to take my mom, my favorite concert buddy, <laughs> and when and if if you haven't seen the the Netflix special or you haven't listened to the record or you I don't know didn't read the internet for the <laughs> entire time that that this run was happening, um, I will summarize briefly. Uh, and basically, it was it based the, the performance, the Broadway show is Bruce solo, alternating between piano and uh, guitar, guitar yeah. and for two to four songs in the middle um, of the set, 
Patty, his wife, uh, comes out and they duet a few songs, and then it just goes back to Bruce playing and telling stories, and they're just stripped-down <laughs> versions of all the songs you know and love, and also deep cuts that, that resonate with him in particular. And I remember when he sat down at the piano to one one time and started playing the the intro to 10th Avenue Freeze Out, which, mm. you know, you listen to this record, and it's, it's this huge, like, bombastic, celebratory song, you know? Mm. And he starts playing the intro just very softly on on the piano, like, not big, booming chords, but just, right. just that melody. Mm-hmm. Um, and he starts talking about the... the how he and Clarence met and saw each other from across the room in a dark <laughs> bar on the Jersey Shore. And, like, <laughs> just, you know, and Clarence is, like, towering, hulking figure, like, you know, blocking the light coming through the door type thing. <laughs> um, and, you know, and then talking about, like, Clarence's passing and um, talking about how they must have known each other in a, in a different life before that fateful meeting and how, you know, there and and the the mountains they moved and the the lives they've changed just by playing together. And again, you can talk about uh, race relations mm-hmm. in in 1973 when this came out. Mm-hmm. 74, sorry, 75. God, I'm terrible. Um, <laughs> 75. 75. Yeah. <laughs> um, but <laughs> even when they started playing together in 73, that's probably what I was trying to reference. Um, and how important this album artwork is of Bruce on the cover leaning on on Clarence um, and just what that meant. And, you know, he's sort of going back to Springsteen on Broadway moment and he's sort of, you know, the, the piano intro to 10th Avenue Freeze Out is still repeating. And he's like, you know, I'll see you in another life, big man. Mm. Oh my God, mm. the waterworks. My mom had to, was like patting my knee, mm. like softly being yeah. like, it's okay. It's okay. But you listen to, to that version of that song and and it's it's just beautiful. It's it's classic. It absolutely anyway, is. Absolute classic. Bruce absolutely. Springsteen, Born to Run, my number one record of the 70s. I love it. Bruce Springsteen, Born to Run, number one. All right, number one. Number one. Um, a little a little bit of, of a left field one, and a lot of people might not choose this one. But again, I didn't go necessarily for the greatest albums of the 70s, although I do think some of these might, might qualify. Mm-hmm. But... Ones that made an impact on me, ones I felt were um, were amazing yep. from beginning to end, and I chose an album by Paul McCartney. Okay, actually, it was credited to Paul and Linda McCartney because uh, she did a lot of vocals on here, and uh, according to the credits, she co-wrote some of the songs. But it's their 1971 album, Paul and Linda McCartney, and it's called Ram. We're so sorry. have a hit on there, Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey. Yep. It was one of Paul's early solo hits. But it's got a lot of other great stuff on there. It's it's got a 
song that a lot of people maybe haven't heard called Eat at Home, which was, uh, to me, it sounded like a, a, if Buddy Holly was, was uh, still alive and making music in the early 70s, it sounded like kind of a Buddy Holly-ish kind of rocker. Uh, one of my favorite solo McCartney songs. Um, also had a few sort of unhinged, really weird rock uh, songs on there. One called Smile Away. Um, and one called Monkberry Moon Delight, which mm. are just crazy, crazy songs. Um, I had a song on there that was an um, homage to Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys called yeah. Backseat of My Car, okay. which is a great song. Had a song called Two Legs, um, Too Many People, which was written um, uh, about John and Yoko. Uh, too many people preaching practices, too many people going underground, you know, some of the lyrics, but... Uh, just a great pop rock album from beginning to end. You know, it didn't get much love when it was officially released, but history has been a lot kinder to it. And uh, I, I know Paul likes it now when it was reissued. You know, he had a lot of great things to to say about uh, the record and that time in his life. So to me, you know, my, my favorite album of the 70s is Ram by Paul and Linda McCartney. I love it. I love it, John. I love it. I love it. I figured that was the one that you had when you when you gave me the big hint earlier. You're like, oh, well, I have a Paul McCartney one later on. That you, I'm like, okay, hold on. And you said it was before <laughs> before Band on the Run, so that narrowed it down for me. So I knew. Well, maybe the, some of the listeners didn't, but absolutely nailed it with that one. So this is the this was the easiest part for me, John. Number one was the easiest. <laughs> it was a no brainer. Um, one of the, I mean, not even one of the greatest R and B soul album ever recorded, John, ever. I'm going on record ever released September 28th, 1976. This fantastic talent released his 18th album, 18th already at this time, which is, I understand he started off very young in Motown. Big hint there. Started off really young and just grew and grew and grew so fast. And this album right here, I guess it won a Grammy. I didn't know it won a Grammy. I guess I just, I learned that a little bit before recording and doing some research. Won a Grammy at the 19th Grammy Awards and best-selling and most critically acclaimed album of the one and only Stevie Wonder's career in 1976. This also is on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time at number 57. But this album, I mean, this is the only album, John, that I've listened, I mean, all the way through, there's literally... Not one song that's just like, eh, it's okay. You know, it's, it's like all the way through. It, even on Marvin Gaye, there was like one where I was like, I guess I could have lived without that one. But on this one, Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder is the greatest R&B and soul album ever. Tomorrow. 
So when I think 70s, this one is number one for me. You got big hits, Contusion. You have Love is in Need of Love Today, I Wish, Sir Duke, As, Isn't She Lovely? Just lovely songs. I mean, it's love. It's R&B and soul at its finest. And I think Stevie Wonder knocked it out of the park with this. Um, Tons of producers that were involved with this as well. I know Nathan Watts on the bass on a couple of songs. A lot of guys behind the scenes. Stevie Wonder's best album. And I couldn't make this list without having this at number one. It was a no-brainer for me. Stevie Wonder, Songs in the Key of Life, at number one. Yeah, that's that's definitely a great one. You know, I think if you combine my list and your list, <laughs> that, that's a really good, uh, a really good snapshot of the seventies. I love I mean, it. Just some some fabulous stuff. And Stevie, of course, is a living legend, mm-hmm. and, and um, you know the nineteen seventies. Uh, especially, he was he was on a roll with you know songs <laughs> in the key of life, inner vision, yeah. and all his other records. It was you know amazing stuff. And yeah. when you consider he was doing a lot of that himself, you know, playing a lot of the instruments all by himself. It was, um, and he was still pretty young at that, that point. Was. You know, he was in his probably early to mid twenties, yeah. and yeah. Amazing, amazing artist for sure. At his his finest right there. So I couldn't bring you on. First of all, got to thank you so much for time traveling, hitting that time machine button with us here today, kind of revisiting the 70s and talking the greatest albums of the 70s. So before I let you go, though, can't bring you on without letting you promote what you have coming up. Oh, man. Well, you know, a lot of stuff going on right now. A few things I can't quite talk about yet, but there's going to be another book. Um, another book that I've written, hopefully the early part of 2021. Um, we'll have some news to share about that soon, but it will be, uh, uh, let's see, what hint can I give you about the, about what the book is about? Well, four guys from Liverpool who were, who were in a band. Um, you might, you might, uh, that I might be a big enough hint. Okay. Uh, okay. I think I know where you're so going. So that'll, um. It starts with a B and ends with an Eatles. So, you know, that might be another hint for you. Uh, that'll hopefully be out beginning part of next year. Uh, I'm starting work on a uh, a tribute CD, a various artist tribute CD that I'm just in the um, in the beginning stages of putting together, but it will definitely relate to what we've talked about today. Um, so there's another hint for you. That'll be out also in early 2021. Also continuing to play drums with a, um, just joined a band called the Armoires, mm. based out here in California. Okay. And they have a really cool label called Big Stir Records, and they 
do monthly showcases out here in Southern California, you know, four or five bands playing uh, in an afternoon. And we have a music video that's just been released, a song called Pushing 40. It's okay. called Beyond Wars. So if you go on YouTube and do a search, you can find that there. Also, my group Pop Dudes um, is going to be releasing a digital single uh, very soon on Big Stir Records. Okay. Uh, so look for that in about a month, I believe, or so. And you can find Big Stir Records on Facebook and all over social media. So that's, that's some of what I have going on. Lots yes. happening. Busy, busy, busy. I love it, John. And appreciate you, as always, for coming on. Always great stuff. And until next time, just keep doing it. And I'll be looking forward to those books and everything you got coming up, okay? All right. Thanks so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. It's my number one favorite of all time, and I had to make it my number one for greatest album of the 70s. Amazing. Amazing. Can we also talk about how, like, Herbie Hancock is on ads? Yes. Yes. How did I not mention that? Absolutely. Nice uh, fact there that you threw in. Herbie Hancock on this album. I know there was a lot of, you know, famous people popping in in the studio in the making of this album. So you never know who else. Could you imagine being in the studio as, like, being laid to tape? Oh, my God. I, I couldn't because I wouldn't be able to last. I would I'd be freaking out. I know. Um being in there. It. So <laughs> absolutely great list. I loved your list, by the way. Absolute great list. Love Yay. talking. We definitely have to do this again because I love talking music with you. Um you you bring yeah. great great, fantastic energy. So I'm gonna need you again. But wow. be- before I let you go though, I want I want you to talk a little bit about um you you, you got an independent business that I really want to learn a little bit more about and I follow I got both you on Twitter, you you and your business for no depression so go ahead and tell us a little bit about no depression sure so i'm the managing editor of no depression and uh no depression is a quarterly print journal ad-free long-form journalism only um each issue is themed and we are published by a nonprofit, the 501c3 fresh grass foundation mm. which also um uh, produces the Fresh Grass Festival um, that takes place at Mass Mocha in um, North Adams, Massachusetts, and a the latest, the new Outpost, um, which is uh, launching, premiering in uh, April at uh, the Momentary in Bentonville, Arkansas. Oh, nice. um, and uh, the Fresh Grass Foundation um, also um, has Folk Alley, the dot uh, com Folk Alley. Um, the streaming radio service. Um, so, yeah, um, it's, a, it's a very cool thing to be um, independent music journalism in 2020. And um, actually, probably should have added that um, the question also comprises a daily updated website um, that my, my colleague, uh, Stacey Chandler, mm. um, manages most of the digital content, whereas I get to focus on print. And um, No Depression is very cool, um, obviously, now being in independent media, but has such a rich history. Uh, the magazine started in 1995. Um, it was basically a bi-monthly glossy magazine and helped usher in the alt-country movement and was really a platform for um, helping to um, like validate um, that, that type of music in um, in, in print and in the media, and um, w- ended up going out of print in 2008, 
uh, No Depression went online only for a while and then uh, became part of the Fresh Grass Foundation in 2015 and then relaunched in print in this format, um, winter 2015. So I am the second editor of version 2.0, and it's my dream job. I'm so lucky um, to be able to do this. And um, my biggest goal uh, with the print edition is uh, just to to, uh, highlight um, elements of of roots music um, that that aren't necessarily told, you know, Um, so much of what we, what we consider, or uh, what is considered roots music, you know, mm-hmm. so country music, uh, folk music, mm-hmm. uh, bluegrass music is, um, is that, that canon tends to be very old and very white. Mm-hmm. And, but that's not representative of all roots music. And so um, my goal is, is to, to share some of those other, stories from some of those other people um, who, who made important roots music records and um, elevate those, those artists and um, even um, diversify the writers and the contributors and tell, you know, take a really strong journalistic approach to the way that we write and research and talk about music and tell stories that, that really matter and um, that can make a difference in the world around us. Oh my goodness. You got me sold. Um, I, cause I was doing, I was doing a little research, uh, when I was, you know, when I booked you and I was checking it out and you instantly made me a fan. I, I love, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, obsessed with the roots of music. So like once I seen that that was what you guys do, I was like, Oh yeah, definitely locking in on this. Um, I think there's a newsletter, yeah. a newsletter you subscribe to as well. Um, and I did so. Weekly newsletter. Yep. So I signed up for that. So I'm all good to go there and um yeah independent music journalism independent music journalism in 2020 i'm all for it so um you you got me 100 behind that and thank you so much for plugging that by the way um i think it's fantastic what you were doing with no depression and i want as many people to know about it as possible so i included a link for you just scroll on down below um for everyone else to check out if you want to check out the website a nice link below here in the description and check it out because they do fantastic work at no depression and hillary is one of those big reasons why as the managing editor so hillary thank you so much for joining me today to time travel so to speak back to the 70s fantastic list fantastic energy i don't know if we can top this so thank you so much for coming on i definitely got to have you on again i would i would love to thank you so much for for finding me and including me it was it was a big honor and lots of fun Thanks so much to both John Borak and Hillary Saunders for joining us here on the podcast this week, helping us dig into the 70s and talking the greatest albums of the 70s in our album, Greatest Albums of the Decade series that we started last week right here on the Music Vibes pod. So for this week's edition of Drop the Needle, sponsored by 20 Past 4 and More, located on Broadway Street. Get your tobacco products, some special sales going on on Broadway Street right now. So be sure to head there on Broadway Street. See my guy Kevin, he'll hook you up. And it is 20 Past 4 and More, located at 2014 Broadway Street here in Fort Wayne, Indiana, 18 or older to enter. So for this week's edition of Drop the Needle, I decided to kind of keep it topical and something that you know is still it has some of course it has to do with this podcast this week so one of the people that we talked about earlier one of the people that we talked about earlier in the podcast is actually dropping a new album and it'll be released on february 21st and 
he's released his first single for it. And in that single, it also includes someone else that we talked about earlier today in our greatest album of the decade series in 1970s. So the one and only Ozzy Osbourne will release the new album Ordinary Man on February 21st. He has released his first single, which is called Ordinary Man, and it features Elton John. And it's a little bit slower, a little bit different for Ozzy, but I actually really like it. So I wanted to give it a chance and play it for you guys here for album of the week for Drop the Needle. So let's go ahead and do it. Let's drop the needle. This is Ozzy Osbourne's brand new single featuring Elton John, Ordinary Man. Let's drop the needle.
Time travel with DC Hendrix on the Music Vibes podcast. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify on your mobile device. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.